A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 127 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to the galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as on Stitcher, and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here, let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like an, I've got a bad feeling about this, in the Star Wars saga, the EU guru himself, the count of two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler! Oh, but sir, I have a very good feeling about this, because I'm finally free. The school year is finally over! Um, it's it's celebration freaking time. On this side of things, I can finally spend some time working on the Star Wars timeline gold, and maybe get back into doing the video stuff that I've been wanting to do for a while. The, the hubbub and craziness of the last weeks of the school year have finally passed. So, uh, I have a good feeling about this. Maybe not some of the emails we're going to see, because we haven't looked at all of them yet, we just know what they're about, but uh, certainly about right now. <laughs> Party is all happy to have let it go, huh? <laughs> I- exactly. The, the the students never bother me anyway. No, um, I will say, <laughs> from the standpoint of uh, uh, new big good things, though, folks, keep an eye out. Uh, if you follow my Star Wars Timeline Gold on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash Gold then you would have already seen a preview, but basically um, I've finally created the cover based on the, the cover template thing that was given to me ages ago by William Devereaux uh, of We Talk Clones and such. It's basically a new cover for the story canon document that'll be a new document for the timeline. So if you're curious what that cover is going to look like, I think it wound up looking pretty cool. It's up on there. And uh, speaking of other things, I guess, that are available, if you go to rebelsroundtable.com or hop on feeds.feedburner.com slash rebelsround, twitter at rebelsround, uh, facebook.com slash rebelsroundtable, all those things we've told you about so often of late. Uh, we have finally just released, as of the time we're recording this, the Rebels Roundtable prelude slash epilogue, or whatever you want to call it, encore of Republic Forces Radio Network episode in which we discuss the Disappear, the Jar Jar arc from the Clone Wars. So there's only one more of those episodes still to come, and then we'll start to focus specifically on Rebels and probably do an episode about the trailers and such and whatnot that we know so far. But uh, those are ongoing as we speak as well. Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. 
This episode, we continue on our mission to leave no fan behind and no voice unheard. Star Wars fandom was shook up pretty good in the last two years, but nothing so shaking, so damning of all things, as the rebranding of the EU as Legends and the rebooting of canon. Understandably, there are mixed reactions as well as many ways to look at this, so we're just offering a few of those. As well as many ways to look at this, and we're offering just that. Perspective. Now consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentience of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. That's right. We've taken a look at our thoughts on the whole canon announcement. We got your thoughts as an audience about it initially, and then of course we had our episode in which we had the the very different perspective relative to a lot of what we had in our feedback episode from Andrew Gilbertson just recently. Uh, that's been about a, two episodes ago, I guess it is now. And now we've returned to this idea of uh, your feedback, your thoughts on the whole issue of the canon announcement in terms of any feedback that we received about it that was too late to be able to fit into that last feedback show or ones that are feedback to our feedback. Sometimes our feedback to the feedback to the... never mind. Anyway, your thoughts again on the whole canon announcement. And we start this time with a short one here from a man by the name of John Baldy. John says, the subject line on this was new continuity question, and he says, Hello, gentlemen. I have a quick question relating to the new continuity, the so-called D-canon. Let me take a quick aside. Again, folks, there is no name for this other than just canon. Mark's taking to call it D or Disney canon. I tend to call it story group canon because that's who's guiding it, but there is no official name for this, so just bear with the terminology here. Yeah, I mean, I kind of went with D canon because I feel like, you know, you got to establish something. This is definitely a different Star Wars than what we had four years ago. Yeah, I just don't tend to want to use a letter for it just because I don't want it to be confused into making people think that there's, you know, there's G and T and C and S and N and O. Oh, now there's D that supersedes. No, no, there is no superseding. <laughs> it's not part of the chain anymore. Uh, but to continue, he says, I just finished listening to your second podcast relating to the new canon and Star Wars Legends. If the novelizations of the movies are a part of the new canon, does that mean that Karen Travis's novelization of Star Wars The Clone Wars animated movie has made the jump to D-canon? I'm planning my new bookshelf for the new canon materials and trying to figure out if I need to hunt down a second copy. One cannot have an incomplete collection on the shelf, after all. Thanks, guys. John. Oh, see, now I, I went out and I got a paperback version because you can't get a paperback version of that book. You can only get a paperback in the UK. So I had to send across seas. I'm like, give me my paperback. So I, I've got the hardcover and that one because once I knew they weren't doing it, I was like, OK, I'm saving this hardcover. Uh, but yeah, as far as uh, where the movie and the films jump away, I mean, Nathan, you're going to get to more of that as as you address this. But but yeah, Karen Travis is now a canon author. I mean, as far as how, you know, how we're really looking at that. I mean, you know, and this is where I'm going to defer to you, Nathan. I mean, I'm under the impression that, you know, the books are canon, but only the parts of the books that reflect exactly what was on the screen. Anything beyond that falls just completely into legends, correct? That's right. Think of the old way. Easiest way to do this, if you're familiar with the old version of the canon system and all the labels and everything, is to figure that, okay, the new canon has a, a basis, a foundation, that is what we used to know of as GNT canon. It's the live-action films, and it's the Clone Wars, but specifically, it's all those things created by Lucas, or created by Lucas and the team of the Clone Wars. That's what everything's going to build on from here on out. 
Whereas anything that was C-level canon, that official continuity stuff, along with you know the S and the N canon, the stuff that was not part of that continuity, or at least questionable as to whether it was part of it, that's all lumped together as legends and sort of shoved off to the side here. So if you used to look at a novelization, let's say, uh, let's go with the film novelization, but avoid the Karen Travis thing for just a moment. Um, you take, say, the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, as awesome as that was by Matthew Stover, and how it had that Stover effect of making the film more meaningful for many of us. Um, when you look at that novel, it wasn't so much that the novel itself was G-Canon the entire time. Um, it wasn't like in the old days where it was sort of a list of titles. Instead, it was, okay, this part of the book is based specifically on Lucas's comments and ideas. It's G-Canon. This stuff over here, this scene may be cool, but that was something Stover added to it. That is just C-Canon, because it didn't come directly from Lucas, and at the time that it was being written, there was no T-Canon to go in the middle. So if you were to say what parts of the Revenge of the Sith novelization make the jump from Legends to this new canon, you would have to just break it into pieces. All this old G stuff, well, if it's G or T, it's new canon. All this stuff that was C, as cool as it was, it's just considered Legends. And the same applies to the somewhat bizarre case of the Karen Travis novelization of the Clone Wars film, because it was a novelization of something that was T-canon, not G like the rest of them. But anything that was T-canon from the film itself that matches up with it, that's part of Lucas and that team's vision, it carries over into this new canon, story group canon, D-canon, whatever. Whereas anything that was her specific new ideas added into it, as cool as they were, especially some of the interactions between the clones, sorry, mm -hmm. that would have been C-canon, which lumps it now into Legends. So... Whether or not that makes it part of the collection, yeah, that's kind of, of up in the air. I'll be honest with you, I haven't even thought about how I'm going to start to divide my own bookshelf into that, but I'll probably have a section for Legends and a section for the new stuff. I'm probably just going to leave my novelizations in the Legends stuff. Yeah, because to be that's honest with you, yeah, because anything that's original in those that really added anything to the saga, that's Legends anyway. It's the films themselves and anything directly reflecting it that might as well just be called the film, frankly, um, yeah. is the only stuff that's going to carry over into that new canon. I'm half tempted to take the new canon stuff and put them on my bookshelf uh, and mix in the DVDs and such at some point, you know, because well, that's yeah. yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I, you've seen my bookshelf right now. I've got it split in a corner. I may do that when we move to the new house. It really depends on the location. But I was thinking, you know, I'll have all the legends on one side. I'll leave the novelizations on the legend side and just put the films on the other side, because right now I don't actually have the films with my books because they're actually bigger than that. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, well, I could always get a whole new bookshelf and make it where, you know, size matters not. <laughs> the next one comes from John Kuntz. I believe is how you pronounce it. Hi, my name is John, and I'm a Star Wars fan, he says. For the past seven years, and I'm only 14, I've read the Star Wars books and comics, played the video games, and watched the various shows and movies. I've listened to your podcast for over a year, and along with Star Wars Action News, it's my favorite. Putting it mildly, I was disappointed by the Star Wars Legends news, because I've never seen something this dramatic happen with the EU. By the time I'd started reading, the saga was already finished. Besides this, I'd memorized so many little details that it kind of hurt that this could happen. Before now, the worst thing that happened was the occasional continuity error between the Republic comics and the Clone Wars TV show. 
Remember when we were all so angry about Obsession and Beresafi? As it is clearly useless to protest against the course of action that Disney has decided to take, I will instead embark on a nostalgic note, listing the Star Wars stories, books, and characters that I will miss the most. I wanted to see if others felt the same. Darth Vader and the Ghost Prison. I love Trachta and Lorita Tom. The whole story was great. Aside from Lucino, Blackman is my favorite Star Wars author. Jango Fett Open Seasons. I love the Galadran debacle. Dark Times, Fire Carrier. This is the first comic run that I collected. I kept up with it as it came out. I enjoy this era, especially when dealing with post-Order 66 Jedi. Last Stand on Jabim. I enjoy reading about obscure Jedi, and the Padawan pack was great, with all the heroic deaths. I really like the end sequence with Gilman and the militia throwing rocks at Anakin. And again, Hayden Blackman. The Purge comics, Final Republic comics, and Dark Lord The Rise of Darth Vader. I really like the Jedi in these stories, especially Sui Choi, Kofi Arana, and Das Janir. Before Dark Times, though, I thoroughly disliked those. Kukruk. He's my favorite Jedi. Although he plays an inconsequential role in the Clone Wars animated series, he's a great character in Republic, Dark Times Fire Carrier, and so on. Asherod Het. He's just really cool, especially in the Storm After the Storm. Darth Plagueis. That was the single most astounding Star Wars book I've ever read. The Force Unleashed. I loved Galen Merrick, Rom Koda, Kazdan Paratus, and the gameplay was amazing. The Last of the Jedi. Although it seems to be written for kids, I thought the story was actually really good, with Flame and the Jedi survivors. The Jedi Path. I thought it was really amazing how the Star Wars universe was so huge that a reference book like this could be written. Star Wars The Essential Guide to Warfare. The epitome of expanded universe collaboration, this book had comics, games, books, movies, and television series all combined into one. If only more books like this could have been released. 1313 and First Assault, and Battlefront 3. Those looked really cool, and they had interesting stories, too. Despite all these losses, I'd still like to highlight those aspects which I'm glad are coming or have been kept. Umbara, Rookies and Landing at Point Rain, the best Clone Wars episodes. Star Wars Rebels, that's my favorite era, and there are a couple of pretty cool-looking characters, namely the Inquisitor and Kanan, although I can't stand Ezra. It doesn't escape my notice, however, that many of the aspects of this story are similar to comics and books. The Ghost is like the Uhumele, Kanan is like Ferris Olin, the Inquisitor is from the comics and books, etc. Tarkin by James Lucino I routinely enjoy Lucino's books, and I hope that Tarkin will be no exception. Star Wars Episode 7 I've never been to a real Star Wars movie in theaters before. Only the Clone Wars. Star Wars Battlefront 3. The last good game was Force Unleashed 2. Sorry for taking up so much of your time, but while we wait for Rebels in Episode 7, may the Force be with you and keep up with the great work on Beyond the Films. Sincerely, John. You know, John, you, you write a great letter there, and I love the fact that you threw in all the different things that you like so much. Uh, you know, so many of those were near and dear to me, especially Kukruk. I think one of the saddest things for me is that Kukruk made it to the Gendi Clone Wars, but not the other Clone Wars, and therefore is not at this moment part of D canon, V canon, saga, as I'm probably going to end up calling it down the road. Uh, but there's so many good things in there that you pointed out, so many fun rides and stuff. Uh, I think, though, you, you nailed it right out the beginning when you were talking about how, uh, you know, it, it's kind of sad about having all these little details memorized and now they're kind of pointless. Uh, and you didn't say pointless. I, I'm trying not to, to think of it as pointless, but it, it definitely makes a conundrum where, you know, you have all these details and while they do work and they, they 
are still facts for legends. They are no longer the canonical answer, and now everything is wide open, and there's that whole aspect of how much and how wide. But you, you bring up a good point when you bring up Tarkin's book, uh, the Tarkin book coming out by Lucino. I, too, have thoroughly enjoyed Lucino's work, so I'm excited for what we're going to get there. And someone said on our Facebook page, too, and, and it's, a, it's a comment that I agree with wholeheartedly in my heart, that it'd be nice that when these new authors start writing the new stuff, that they do like what we saw with the old Marvel stuff and start bringing elements across. I, I don't care if we get Quinlan boss as a surfer dude versions of all these characters as long as they make the jump and they're legitimized as canon and that character still exists because to me i think by by that happening you know yeah maybe say kakrok shows up but he's no longer the same kind of whippet you know or he's got a totally different background the other one's there and now because he exists in canon there's a reason to kind of go and see what the differences were i don't know i i, I try to stay optimistic there I'd have to agree. I like a lot of the things that he mentioned there as far as uh, some of the great things that we'll be losing that are some of the favorites. Uh, uh, despite all the controversy surrounding it and people grumbling about it, uh, the Force Unleashed games are my favorite Star Wars games of all time. Um, absolutely love them. I can replay them over and over to the point where I was excited enough that I own basically every version of both the Force Unleashed games. Uh, well, everything but the iOS one by THQ that you can't get anymore for the uh, the iPod and such. We're talking the mobile game, the DS, uh, the PSP version, which is the same, similar to the PS2 version, the Wii version, um, the so-called next-gen version, which I guess is now previous-gen, now that PS4 and such are out. Um, absolutely love those games. Uh, I went through and on the PlayStation 3 got the Platinum Trophy on each one, which is saying a lot because that means... You have to replay it and replay it, play it on the hardest difficulty, not just for the story and so on, which is usually not my thing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that was really good that we're going to be missing. I'd like to think there's a lot of good stuff that's coming. He mentions, and I think it's kind of funny, just kind of putting things in perspective, um, he hadn't seen a, a Star Wars film outside of the Clone Wars in theaters before and had become a Star Wars fan after... Uh, the saga had stopped growing in film form, at least, or live-action film form, we thought, with Revenge of the Sith. Um, and we hear from fans from time to time who became fans because of the prequels, or between the original trilogy and the prequels, or because of the special editions and such. Um, and it mentions there, you know, how you know it was nice when the only continuity things we really had to worry about were the issues like with what's going to happen to Obsession, what's going to happen to the uh, Clone Wars comics in relation to... The, the Clone Wars TV series. Um, I can remember a time when the biggest continuity concern was, holy crap, what about Evan Peel? Or what about how uh, the writer Michael Reeves behind the uh, Coruscant Nights books couldn't quite figure out the dates of the films and his own books and kept screwing them up? But you know what's funny is you go back and you go to the earliest days of the, the Legends continuity, the official continuity, back to Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, The Last Command, and so forth. Yes, I know there are materials starting in 1976 that have been included within the Legends line, but the actual launch of the Legends line, as we call it now, was in 1991. Those earlier things got sort of retroactively brought in. But if you look at Heir to the Empire and Dark Force Rising, I believe it was, when we were going through and doing the dated battle maps and such for the Essential Atlas... I ran into an issue and had to basically make a judgment call and run things by Leland Chi and all because if you actually look at the references made in, I want to say it's Dark Force Rising to events happening within Heir to the Empire 
and an heir to the empire's own references to those events, or it might be last command's reference to those events, they're not consistent. The internal chronology of what was happening in the Thrawn trilogy has one point at which there's a giant inconsistency of how long it's been from one event to another um, that never really got addressed and really was never harped upon back then, probably because it was the era prior to big internet discussion. Uh, but it's funny to see that there was that kind of inconsistency already existing as far back as the beginning of the modern EU. Or I guess the, the pre-modern EU. Or does that mean we're in the postmodern EU? It's the whole historical terminology thing. <laughs> Our next one comes in from Zach Williams, who says, Hey guys, this is Zach Williams, longtime listener of, well, anything you guys are in, really. I've always thought of the Star Wars EU as, well, just that. EU. It tells more tales in that universe, but they don't really count. Until about 2009, when all the fuss about the Mandalorian stuff came up. I tried to tell people that, hey, it's okay, this isn't terrible. It still counts in those books that you read. I, of course, got a lot of negative responses to this. Then I realized, as far as the company Lucasfilm is concerned, all of this fits. But I just never thought of it this way because I knew someday we would get in Episode 7 and I knew it wasn't going to follow the EU. To me, it's like with another favorite franchise of mine, Alien. I can accept the four movies in that franchise, but not Alien vs. Predator because it's so outlandish and bad. Not to say all the EU is like that, but there are some stuff. When this announcement came about Legends, I had mixed feelings. I liked it because it was a fresh start. My problem with the EU was just how many books were in it and how they all connected in one way or another. But I suppose that's more of me coming into it late. Now, why I didn't like it was I had grown connected to a lot of these characters, especially Ben Skywalker. I totally related to being thrust into an adult situation at a young age. It would be hard saying goodbye to some of these characters. I'm very optimistic about the future. I'm not a doom and gloom kind of guy. May the Force be with you. This guy is fine. Oh my god, Whistler! Look out! Oh my god, they took out Whistler! <laughs> Everything's gone. My hands, my big strong hands. And the cannon took them all away. Uh, you know, it's so hard not to go that route for me sometimes. Uh, first off, I want to say, you know, you know, thanks uh, for listening for as long as you have. The fact that I'm able to ramble on and I don't drive people away is always heartfelt for me. Um, you know, you mentioned about 2009 when all the fuss about the Mandalorian stuff came up. And boy, did ding, 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 does that resonate with me? I mean, that was right when I got into the Clone Wars. I mean, I had ignored it up to that. I was like, eh, it's, it's a TV show. You know, the Gendy stuff was the same way. I didn't watch the Gendy stuff till it was on DVD. Then I was watching it and I was like, eh, if it doesn't line up, I don't care. But th this stuff was like definitely getting a different package. I mean, I remember them talking about Gendy stuff. Oh, Lucas, Lucas, this. But the Clone Wars was a different thing. I mean, that was all of a sudden they were like, oh, we got T-Cannon now, which is just as good as regular G-Cannon. It was like, wait, why? You know, and, and which gets to that one thing where you talked about how, you know, for Lucasfilm, it all fits. And, you know, that was where I was. I, I, I remember watching the different camps in fandom over this you know those that could accept it see both sides of it those that couldn't see either side they could only see one side or the other just you name it man there's a gauntlet of how people felt about all that but another thing i want to touch on here you know you mentioned that you know you knew someday there would be an episode seven and it wasn't going to follow you while an episode seven not following the eu does make sense i i don't know maybe it's because i was older i really honestly never 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 thought that we were going to get an episode seven I took Lucas at his word. You liar! Uh, I, I just, I don't know. 
when he said he was never going to do it, I bought that. I took solace in the fact that that Luke Skywalker, my Luke Skywalker was Luke, you know, that Luke had gone to the dark side and, and, you know, dark empire, he'd come back, he'd fought the Vong, he had, you know, sent his nephews off to die. Just, I don't know. I, I had really enjoyed that ride with Luke. And while Leia's ride was a little longer for me to hop on the pony and ride and enjoy it as much as I would have liked to, I didn't care for her as a politician. Once she became a Jedi during new Jedi order, I loved the EU Leia, but up until that point, you know, I, I don't know. And I, I, I blame it on Lucas, man. Uh, you know, another thing you say, you're mentioning how you had a problem with the EU having so many books and all. That's a constant thing I keep thinking about because, you know, they talk about these movies are going to keep coming out. We're always going to have another one each year. We got a new, you know, we've got a starting point, but sooner or later, we're going to get to that saturation point and you're going to have new fans. I mean, what, what's my daughter, Jaina? You know, what's the, the books going to look like for her? I mean, how many will the new saga D canon shelf have on my bookshelf by the time she's old enough to read? Uh, you know, so, I mean, that, that's wide open. It's like, huh, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. So I, you know, I, I get where you're coming from with, you know, when you come in late, it's kind of harder to attach because I know that, that a lot of the changes with the clone wars, the ones that really bothered me were the ones that I knew about. I mean, the whole, uh, Greedo showing up and the fact that they had the, the Greedo, the lesser and all that kind of stuff. And the, the story it conflicted there. I hadn't read those stories. So it didn't really bother me as much as say, you know, what they did with Twi'lek, uh, and, and, uh, you know, uh, Ryloth and, and the tidelocked planet and all that. I mean, that kind of bothered me more and what they did with the Mandalorians. But again, it gets back to that, what you know, what you don't know. And I'm always curious about what the future stores for the children, you know, because down the road, it's going to be their star Wars and it could look totally different. I mean, I've only been in this fandom for barely 20 years and wow, what a ride. Yeah, I think it was easier to watch the clone wars. If you could think about it as a separate continuity, that's why for the longest time, I was saying what they really should do is just say that there's the films and the Clone Wars and build that stuff, but that there was the films that existed at the time, and then the other continuity, the legend stuff now, without the Clone Wars involved in it, and just essentially say, look, there's two different versions of the Clone Wars. They're not meant to work together. Why not keep them separate? Unfortunately, yeah. they sort of did that, but not in the way that actually fixed anything. They've now said, of course, that there's... The films and the Clone Wars are the basis of this new canon, but the Clone Wars, because of how it has been integrated into the legend stuff, and it has its own spinoffs that are also con considered legends, like Hero of the Confederacy and, uh, gosh, the Colossus of Destiny and all that kind of stuff, um, that now it's just a mess that's not going to be cleaned up. Uh, it was certainly easier to think of it as if it would be two. That's why my Star Wars Timeline goal at this point still keeps them as two, and I won't even try to integrate them until at least next year, hoping that we'll get some kind of insight on this. Um, but unfortunately, no, that's not what Lucasfilm was saying. Lucasfilm was saying, this all fits. Don't worry, it will. Of course, that's also when they were saying, don't worry, it will, and we'll get a timeline of how it all fits together once the series is over, which doesn't seem like it's anymore going to happen. Um... But I will agree with the idea that, uh, that, that Mark said, I never thought there would be an Episode 7. Never. Well, correction, let me rewind. I thought there would be an Episode 7 until Lucas changed his mind yet again and said there wouldn't be because of him getting older and that sort of thing. And how many times he reiterated there will be no Episode 7, there's only six in the saga, etc., etc. Um, the idea of him selling it off to someone else because of how much he had such creative control over the films and the franchise and how much he fought for that 
in the early days of making the first film in the first place relative to control by Hollywood, um, I never would have imagined him selling off Star Wars as a franchise to another company, handing over his notes of what would have been a sequel trilogy. Oh, really, George? You mean those ones you said never existed? Um, and then have them launch something that would then change everything again. Um, I was very surprised. In fact, at first I thought it was a joke when they announced it, and I was waiting for the punchline only to realize, wow, this really is true. Um, but I was also one who got in fairly early into the EU. I got into the EU around 1992, once Dark Force Rising was out in hardback and Heir to the Empire was out in paperback. So for me, it's been a matter of keeping up as things went along. Uh, but I've said for years that Star Wars has gotten to the point where if you were trying to get into that Legends continuity that it was very, very difficult. Just the breadth and scope of all the stuff out there made it difficult, and you would never really have a chance to get into everything. That's why I felt like my Star Wars timeline goal needed to continue, because at at this point it's still the most comprehensive out there and the only one of its breadth and scope that's out there, and I felt as though, you know... Somebody needs to be able to provide somewhat of guidance for people who are trying to come into the saga and hear a reference to a particular book, don't know what was in it, don't have time to read another whole series of seven or eight books, and just want to jump over for a summary of it or something. Um, Amen. So yeah, yeah, it's at least this new continuity to start with will be easier to get into. That accessibility thing apparently has now been answered. Um, we have another one, kind of an odd one here, coming in from Bruce Gibson. It's not so much his words as words he passes along. Um, he says, to check out this blog, and he provides one in an email entitled Canon. I've been quiet for too long. He says, check out this blog from tie-in author, uh, not Star Wars tie-in author, but tie-in author for other media, uh, Keith R.A.D. Candido. He explains my thoughts about Canon better than I can. So we jump to that blog that he points us to. And it's, uh, it says, Star Wars fans shocked to learn that their novels aren't canon either. Oh, we can see where this is going. So there is nerd outrage, uh, author DeCandido says, over the completely predictable and reasonable comment made to the Hollywood Reporter by Simon Kinberg, one of the screenwriters of the upcoming Episode 7 of the Star Wars film saga, which boiled down to, quote, We won't be paying attention to the Star Wars novels and comics when we write our screenplay. Which means that, yes, Star Wars novels and comics are not canon and never were. Claims by the fanbase and Lucas to the contrary. Here's my response. Canon arguments slash discussions always make me want to beat someone until they bleed. I really do not understand why people get arsed, and yes, he says arsed, over what's real in a fictional construct. Yes, the novels and comics and cartoons aren't canon. So what? You know what else isn't canon? The Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Arrow all totally, thoroughly, and in all ways not canon. Not even a little bit. There are three different versions of Sherlock Holmes currently being produced, none of which are canonical, yet all of which are immensely popular and fun to watch and enjoyable and nifty. Episode 7 does nothing to the EU one way or another. The books and comics and cartoons are still there, still good stories, still there to be enjoyed. Honestly, the whole, quote, the novels are canon too argument was pretty much canned and never held up to scrutiny, especially if you look at, say, the history of the Fett family. Star Wars fans could take a lesson from Star Trek. Two of the most highly regarded Trek novels are Imzadi and Federation. The former novel was heavily contradicted by a Next Generation episode, Second Chances. The latter was totally nuked by the movie First Contact. Yet the two novels continue to be well regarded, and so does that episode and that movie, even though they contradict each other. 
If you think that contradictory versions of stories in the same universe ruins one of the contradictory ones, then you don't understand how storytelling works. Oh, can I take this one first? Yeah. Okay. Based on what was said there, it seems that it's DeCandido who doesn't understand how Star Wars storytelling worked. Um, yes, it's all fiction. Yes. Spin-off materials, in general, tend to be non-canon for their franchises. And no, the Star Wars books, novels, comics, and such were never canon on par with the films. And any claims, he says here, rightly so, by the fanbase or Lucas, to the contrary, were wrong. Claims by the fanbase to say that the official continuity is of equal value or was of equal value to the films? That's wrong. That was never true. Those who said it were wrong, not having a misconception, but wrong. And Lucas never claimed, as DeCandido seems to suggest, that the official continuity was on par with the films. That was never the case. Lucas always talked about it being a parallel universe or doing that father-son, holy ghost type of analogy. Um, however, he makes a, a bad argument here in trying to say that, well, it's the same as these other franchises, like Marvel, like... Batman, etc., etc. The problem with that argument is that the reason why people are getting annoyed is because there was an official continuity. Star Wars was the first major franchise to say, yes, we're going to take all these spin-off material and all these different media and link them all together into one cohesive whole. And that whole will be officially licensed and given the thumbs up by Lucasfilm, though not Lucas as an official continuation of the saga. Knowing that Lucas could always come in and change that, the fact that that was there as an ongoing tale that would continue to grow was the big deal that made Star Wars different. Now you've got stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer seasons 8 and 9 done as comics, and that's considered canonical. You've got uh, the Serenity comics. You've got stuff yeah. coming out for Farscape, though... You know that if they came in and made a new Farscape series, or if they made a new uh, Serenity film, or if they made more Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the big screen or small screen, it could trample over those, and that would be fine, because that's the way licensing works. But the reason why people are getting pissed has nothing to do with, well, this was just my favorite spinoff that didn't connect to this other stuff, and now I'm mad because they aren't taking my spinoff into consideration. That's not the issue. It's the fact that there's a lot of people who invested a lot of time and energy into that official continuity, and the fact that this new saga... I don't, I don't even think it's because they're not going to take it into account with the films. I think it's because the fact that they're going a different direction with the films and Rebels means that it's basically shifting that official continuity away from Lucasfilm's focus, and I think pretty much just ending any production in it, despite... Mark's optimism about us seeing more about it. It's the idea that the continuity that they had been following is going to presumably cease to grow and cease to have the spotlight put on it. And mm -hmm. to them, since that's their favorite form of Star Wars, that's why they're getting ticked off about it. It's the idea of... It's not like... To use the example, it's not like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Fans of the comics can keep buying the comics because there are new comics being produced. Fans of Marvel Cinematic Universe can keep watching the films and watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because those are continuing to be produced, or the games, or whatever. They are alternate timelines acknowledged as such, but they're all still continuing to grow. The issue here that a lot of people are freaked out about is that the official continuity of Star Wars, that alternate timeline now known as Legends, 
is very likely to stop growing, whereas the new canon will be what is growing. I got a feeling if they were both growing, there wouldn't be that much angst out there. Some, but not nearly as much. But by making the comparison that he does to these other things, he's comparing apples to oranges. And unless you're comparing apples to oranges to talk about the features of them as fruit, then an apples to oranges comparison doesn't work. It's an intellectually dishonest argument to not take into account the whole concept of the official continuity and how it was different than other franchises to begin with. I've seen this argument a lot. This just happens to be coming from someone who I would think, being a tie-in author to other series, should probably know better. But maybe he just didn't take the time to research how Star Wars had always been different. Although it would appear by some of his comments that he does at least have some knowledge of it, like his comments about the Fett family. Um, so I don't know if I'm addressing this to Bruce or to D. Candido or to whomever, but there's a reason why Star Wars fans were angry, and it's different than what would happen in almost any other franchise. I still think it's something that we should have seen coming, and is not a reason for anger, perhaps a reason for perspective, yeah. but the reasons presented there, not so much. Mostly not valid. Well, and I, I thought he had some valid points in the aspect of enjoying the other stuff, but the, the thing you point out, the key that you point out, and it is the difference in our outlooks on it, I'm trying to be optimistic, as you say, but the reality does appear that Legends is, for all intents and purposes, dead. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Old Republic MMO is is going to be the only thing really continuing as of right now. Uh, even Insider, we found out now that going forward, all the short stories in Insider are going to be canon as well. So it's it does seem, in that regard, like it's all put on hold and stopped. And and yes, I think part of the reason why I'm staying positive and optimistic is so I don't fall into that camp of angry because I do want more of those stories. And I am really banking that there are enough people out there that down the road that they'll shake Disney into keeping the Legends universe going. Because, yeah, it is definitely being closed down. They are shifting focus. I mean, I get that. The writing is on the wall there. But I don't know. I can't I can't admit it to myself yet because if I do, I'm afraid that that it may break my fandom. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm afraid I'm going to go into episode seven and hate it so much that I'm just like, you know what? I only want Legends. And since it's not growing, I'm out. Now, since we're on the topic of one that kind of had the the... the the fur up on the back, so to speak. Um, being a cat owner, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, yeah, that works for dogs, too. Let's check out another here that had me kind of sitting back. It, it depends on the phrasing of this one. This one I did read before, and whether the phrasing is directed at us or to fans in general makes all the difference in this one. I've taken this as directed towards our show and us specifically, and if it is, then I've definitely got something to say about this one. Um, this email comes in from Jason Hamp, who says, Hello, future Star Wars movies will not be constrained by the books and comics, regardless of what Disney says. The Marvel Cinematic Universe movies are free to pick and choose what they want while telling original stories. It has to be this way. Making a blockbuster movie is extremely expensive and risky. The movie audience is larger than the EU audience. No one will tell a highly paid movie director that he cannot contradict something in a comic book, and screenplays have requirements that are different from those of novels. So I beg you, don't make the same mistake again. Do not treat the new novels and comics as if they are equal to the movies. The written material should be thought of as legends that reflect one artist's interpretation. You'll be happier if you do this. Mark, you take this one first. 
Well, I, surprisingly, I I I kind of see kind of where he's coming from in a regard because he is talking about the new books and stuff being at the same level of the films. And honestly, that is how I'm looking at it right now because that's how StarWars.com told me to. They said flat out, moving forward, everything is going to count. It's all going to be the same level of canon. Uh, and I do question that, that moving forward, is that going to still be the case? Uh, you know, and it's, so I, it's, I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that's kind of like, huh, maybe that does make sense. <laughs> it's funny though, because what he's saying essentially is don't listen to Lucasfilm, which granted we've learned a few times is probably the best <laughs> case. Um, and I would agree that if you run into something where you get a film contradicting a comic book, the film's going to win out. You know, that's the way it always was before. It's probably the way it's going to be going forward. At some point, there's going to be a novelization or something based on an early version of a script that's going to do something that's contradictory to what we see on screen, and they're going to have to step up and say, well, what's in the film takes precedence. They're going to have to create essentially what amounts to a canon system, just like they had before with G, C, S, etc., etc. But he's saying here, no one's going to tell a highly paid movie director he can't contradict something in a comic book. Um... That's actually what the story group is designed to do, to make sure that it all does fit together. So the story group can tell the screenwriter or the director, sorry, you can't do this. It's not with the ongoing program that the story group is creating. Do I think it's likely? No, because most of the time, probably what's going to happen is that the story group is going to be part of those initial discussions anyway and decide the direction of the screenplay. So you won't probably see a lot of stuff that winds up contradicting. But that's what the story group is there to do. Do not treat the new novels and comics as if they are equal to the movies. That's what we're being told by Lucasfilm to do. We're being told that the new books, starting with The New Dawn, the short stories and insider-like Blade Squadron that's in there as of 149, um, the stuff that we're going to get with Rebels, um, the stuff that we're going to get with the comics when Marvel starts producing them, presumably, that's all going to be canon on par with the films because it's going through the story group. So maybe it would be a mistake to take them at their word, but that is what they're flat out telling us to do. So for now, the only intellectually honest thing to do is to have a little bit of skepticism, but at least try to keep in mind what they are saying. But what gets me about this and why I'm thinking that this, if it's directed directly at us, and it seems like it is, so I beg you, don't make the same mistake again. Don't treat the novels and comics as if they're equal to the movies. You'll be happier if you do this. Um, seems like it's directed more towards the show. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just Star Wars fans in general. But if anyone thinks that we, and I won't speak for you, I'll say me, if anyone thinks that I in particular have made that type of assumption in the past, oh, well, the official continuity and the, and the films, they were on par with each other. Either you're ignorant, that is, missing the facts, haven't been paying attention, or you are purposely twisting information to create an opposite belief. I have said for years that we have to make sure that we understand the way that the system works when it comes to canon in Star Wars. What contradicts what, what is allowed to supersede what, and so forth. Whether we're talking about films, Clone Wars, uh, a novel that's C canon versus something that's S versus something that's N for years. In fact, I had laid out what that setup was essentially of what is allowed to contradict what and what supersedes what as what I had called the levels of canon and laid out in my Star Wars timeline gold years prior to them ever making that 
publicly known, laying out just in the past, this has contradicted this, this has contradicted this, this is what won out this time, this is what won out this time, here's the way the levels must exist. And you know what? That is exactly how it turned out whenever they started to reveal the whole system of C, S, N, and so forth. Um, and I've been talking about this for many, 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 many years. I think that all was revealed in, what, 2004-ish or so, give or take. Yeah. Um, if you go back to the first podcast I ever had, we're talking about doing this on air. Um, first podcast I ever had was Chrono Radio. Chrono Radio had special edition number one, the canon question in October of 2002 that laid that stuff out. Revised, the canon question revised, special edition number one, given a new update in April of 04. Same thing until finally the canon question revisited a whole new special about it with new information in May of 2005. So this stuff has been laid out in great detail on shows that I've been involved with for over a decade now. Moreover, if you go to my Star Wars Timeline Goal, where there has been a massive discussion on the levels of continuity and the levels of officiality and all that kind of stuff for years, you can go back into previous, previous editions. It was the Star Wars Timeline Project document version 3.1. Understand this is within about 10 releases of it starting when it's in the 80s of releases right now that introduced a section that at the time was simply called the canon-slash-official-slash-unofficial-slash-apocrypha discussion, in which, when talking about the different levels, it brings up the official continuity, saying that official, what we think of as sea canon or legends these days, is that which Lucasfilm has allowed to become part of their, quote, official continuation. George Lucas himself does not approve these stories and has stated that he feels no obligation to work any of these elements into future films. This is essentially a collection of stories licensed by Lucasfilm and produced by Bantam Spectra, Berkeley Boulevard, Del Rey, Berkeley Jam, Dark Horse Comics, LucasArts Games in some but not all cases, and other companies that Lucasfilm has allowed to contribute to the continuity. This is what most current Star Wars fans consider the timeline, although that may change if and when Lucas overrides them by producing a sequel trilogy, which would be first-level canon, which is what we now think of as G-canon. And that edition was released in August of 1998. So if the argument being made here is that we, you and I, Mark, have ever treated the EU, the expanded universe, as if it was on par with the films and couldn't be superseded, then this guy's insane. Because we've never done that. And personally, given that that is at the heart of understanding Star Wars continuity and what we try to do with this show and what I've tried to do with the timeline over the years, I take personal offense to any kind of insinuation that we have put forth that BS view. I have to look at it from a more, it's at everybody. Cause I, I don't think, I don't think we've fallen under that. Um, you know, and, and I think in this time frame, you know, and the fact that we even mentioned the fact that Lucasfilm has changed their mind in the past, it's not necessarily a bad stance to take moving forward in your heart of hearts, but it gets back to that intellectual honesty. And right now, even though Lucasfilm made later not be telling us the truth, they are telling us that these are all the same levels. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't take offense to it because I can't apply it to myself because I just, I don't see myself of ever seeing it the way that he's saying. And I, I have a hard time, you know, not doing what Lucasfilm tells me because they always tell me to unlearn and then I have to learn and then I got to relearn and then they tell me to flush it again. And then I do it and I'm still here. <laughs> I don't know. But maybe I'm taking it far too personal. I hope, I'm just taking that two person, but that came 
uh, and I would, and I read that same one right around the same time I was reading the one that we talked about in our last episode by someone who wrote in that essentially just cussed out Andrew Gilbertson over what he said uh, in his comments on a, an episode a couple of episodes ago. And so, yeah, any kind of anything that can be taken as a personal attack, I'm thinking at this point is designed to be one, particularly depending on who it is that's that's writing certain things. Anyway, so on a less controversial, much more passive note here, uh, we have one that comes in from uh, Sandro George. He says, hello, Mark and Nathan. I was recently listening to episode 123, and I thought I'd throw in my two cents. When I heard about the new rebranding of the Expanded Universe, I knew something like this would happen. We all know that the EU was never canon. Well, apparently some of us do, but that's the previous email. Even though we all wished it was. I was just thinking that all the stories that are before the Phantom Menace should be labeled Legends. Makes sense, doesn't it? They're mostly stories of the Old Republic and the Ancient Jedi and Sith Orders, i.e. the Great Hyperspace War, the Hundred Year Darkness, ancient worlds like Tython and Korriban, Forget that moribund crap. The stories that come after Return of the Jedi should probably be labeled as expanded, just to kind of give reference to new readers to where in the vast timeline the story fits. Love the podcast, guys, and may the Force be with you. You know, there's so many aspects of that that, that I, I think people are going to be doing. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so glad, Nathan, you kept up your uh, timeline is because, you know, without somebody that has that kind of information available... Uh, it's harder to kind of look at everything. Like I could see down the road us getting other uh, essential guides and stuff like that to the old EU, but now called Legends and stuff, uh, exploring the eras and all that. Uh, but there is that side of me that that's kind of like you know they could easily have left everything that came before the Phantom Menace. But then there's also that other side of me that's like, well, there were concepts and stuff that the EU was heavily using that just still never really quite lined up. And as much as I hate at times how it goes the clean break like they've done it, i i think it's smart i think it's smart in the aspect of resetting star wars the, the hard part for me and i'm sure for a lot of other fans out there is is how that relates in our brains i mean because now you know that whole wide open slate is wide open all over again and the backstories everything are, are all new you know my son was asking today about you know han and leia getting married and, and i was like well they do in legends and i'm assuming they're going to in episode seven because carrie fisher supposedly let it leak that she's playing leia solo which you know would be cool but again it gets that point that they're two very different universes and I, i'm not necessarily sure though that that it's going to work out where everybody breaks it down into you know well we got uh, legends here and expanded there i see a lot of people doing it but it, it gets to that aspect that nathan's always talking about about intellectual honesty within the conversation it's already going to be hard for us to have conversations about these characters when there are alternate versions of them out there and the labeling on the the d canon the canon universe that we have going forward you know without that real label i mean i i really think they're probably going to end up calling it the saga or something like that but they they can't just keep calling it canon that alone just isn't enough for me to you know distinguish which universe you're talking about and i think you're going to have a lot of issues where people are going to have to sit around clarifying which universe they're talking about uh, right now it's easy enough cuz most of it's legends but going forward i just see some headaches going forward yeah, I'm not sure that it really needs to have multiple names as long as they keep the era labels. You know, uh, the Legends continuity as it stands, the stuff that is out there as Legends, uh, or old official continuity, whatever, um, 
if you were to divide it and call legends the things that are in the distant past and give some other name to what comes later, all that does is add another name into the mix. And it just makes it all the more confusing. At least those who are trying to come in and read that particular continuity can look at the legend that says legends and know every single time, hey, this is that particular continuity. If they want to know what era it's in, I mean, they haven't said anything that I know of uh, about taking any of those reprints that has the legends label and getting rid of the era notation. If you look at the comics from Dark Horse, or you look at any of the previous novels, and presumably these reprints with the Legends label, they're going to have the little symbol, or you'll open it up, and it'll have the little set of symbols where it's got one of them marked as that's when that novel takes place. And there's nothing that we know of at this point about them taking a reprint of a book and getting rid of the timeline in the front of it. So it would seem as though that's still basically just a label that's going to be able to fit everything. We don't need to, to muddy it up with multiple labels yet again, since we've already got the era names. Although, I do think it'd be kind of nice if they were to take the Essential Reader's Guide and reissue that either with a name change, you know, Essential Legends Reader's Guide or something like that, or <laughs> simply put the Legends banner across that, because that would let people know, okay, this is a guidebook to that continuity as opposed to the new one. As awesome as that guide is, I would hate to find that people are being confused by picking up that, say, a year from now once this new canon's really gotten going. Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both Twitter and our Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in your search bar. No matter how you get there, though, be sure to like our page and follow us on Facebook. They're our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or EU Legends questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Now, before we go, we wanted to mention you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash starwarsreport, you get a free trial run of audible.com by our sponsors to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars expanded universe legends genre or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, once again, four stars beyond the films, it's Ben, Mark, and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening, and may the force be with you. And don't quote us the odds. <laughs>